Hello and welcome to another episode of Liberty Music PR's podcast. If you have any questions or things you'd like to share with us, please don't hesitate to DM us on any of our social media channels at Liberty Music PR. Hello everyone and welcome to Liberty Music PR's podcast. Um, As you can tell by my voice, I am not B. I am Shardy, Head of Service at Liberty Music PR, and I'm really excited to be hosting my first ever podcast for the business. Um, today's podcast is going to be so interesting. We've got a really talented entrepreneur who is kindly um, going to be our partner in the show, my co-host. Um, he's so talented. He's got so many projects that he has kind of really shined in and it's very exciting to have you on board. Yao Awuso. Um, I was just wondering whether you could just give everyone a brief kind of background on your work, the projects that you're currently working on or that you're previously working on so people kind of get a real kind of gist about what you do. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me first and foremost and congratulations on your first podcast. Hopefully we make it a good one. <laughs> something that you, you want to do again in the future um yeah you know I'm a creative consultant essentially I I, I specialize in music um I design develop and deliver music projects initiatives and events um and, and, and that's me you know more than that I'm a, I'm a massive fan of of music creativity the creators um, I have mm-hmm. huge reverence for, for that and also the impact that music can have to not just the people who make it and who are involved in it, but, you know, essentially the people who consume it. Um, wow. Really special. Um, in that. So, yeah, that's 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 kind of my space and what I do. And now, right now I'm, I'm working on projects like PRS Foundation's Power Up, which is an initiative um, to tackle racial disparity within the UK music industry. Um, very impactful, um, just about to go into our second year. Liverpool International Music Festival, um, which is a music festival that the city of Liverpool own and operates, but I've been curating and creatively directing for the last eight years. Uh, the Lymph Academy, which is a talent development um, initiative which has won you know numerous awards, but again, it's 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 there to kind of help those who are deserving of opportunities, but for whatever reason might um hit barriers with that. Um on record, which is uh I suppose a music a music festival focused on black music. Um I'm recently working with the mayor of Liverpool on a citywide initiative called Liverpool Against Racism, which will be happening in April. Um and then you know I've got various other um projects that I'm I'm in the midst of developing some I can't talk about for for various reasons (laughs) but yeah all music stuff all kind of it's all music stuff how exciting I mean there's just so much that we we we, we, you know we can talk about and we will talk about so it's quite obvious that you've got a huge passion for music and events do you feel like your passion for music and events kind of you know, it it, it it really does shine throughout kind of like your amazing career. It's all about, you know, music, events. From the beginning, um, were live creative events always in your kind of crosshairs or was it something that, I don't know, you discovered as you progressed through your career? I, I think I'm, um, I wouldn't say I'm naive, but I don't, I, I, I didn't plan to be in the music industry first and foremost. So wow. I, looking back, I, I understand certain 
pivotal points. So I'm from Liverpool and based in Liverpool, but when I was younger, I'll travel to Preston where some of my family, the Caribbean side of my family is from. And I love Preston. Yeah, it's great. I go, I go to carnival there. And one of my, like my granddad was one of the main organisers of carnival there. And then I'd go to London and I'd go to Nottingham Carnival and, and Toxteth, which is in South Liverpool. Yeah. Zoom Carnival. Um, I would also, um, we'd, we'd have a lot of family parties. So my dad's um, heritage is, well, my dad's from, Ghana, West Africa, my mum's from Jamaica. So we'd have these family parties with different parts of the family coming together. So the music would be quite eclectic. But, you know, as I got years old, I'm also consuming hip hop. So like, but I'm understanding the importance of music events, but I'm not understanding it in a way of how you put them on or, you know, a career or whatever. So I come out of university and get into working with artists um, and trying to build my own thing and events became a kind of a means to an end like they weren't events that I I I they weren't events for the types of artists I was working with that existed so I fell into having to organize events as part of what I was offering those artists which was mm. basically support like you know I'm not an artist so it was me going okay well I'll organize the 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 recording or the recent music or the merchandise or whatever. So I, I kind of got into it into that way and um and developed just by being thrown into the fire. So it wasn't again, it wasn't something that was planned. I, I was doing yeah. So even when I started doing Liverpool International Music Festival, which you know is the city's kind of lead music festival and you know um you know loads of top artists coming like when I started doing that in 2013. I never, like, even to this day, I don't consider myself a promoter and I don't mm. consider myself an event programmer, as in, like, in the kind of rigid career way. Um, because I've, I've always done it because it's 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 purpose-driven and it's been about designing and doing something to fulfil or to, to, to balance an imbalance, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, so definitely. So it sounds like you naturally got thrown into these kind of situations and amazing opportunities, which, which is probably actually the best way to do things because you kind of experience um, everything and every opportunity um, and you get to kind of, kind of, I don't know, see what you're kind of good at and, you know, what... Uh, yeah, which I so, think is interesting because I think... My my understanding now um, of the music industry is is quite holistic because I've worked in so many guises. Do you know what I mean? I've never really been one thing, and it's only now, probably the last eighteen months, where I've, I've felt like I've been able to kind of go, "This is what I this is what I do," or "This is how I do it." Because mm-hmm. for, the, for the longest, everyone's meant to specialize and be, you know. I am a promoter, I am a lawyer, I am a this, that, you know, I am an a and Yeah, why can't you be at all? Or why can't you yeah, just well, have, like, transfer, like, lots of different skills? Yeah, yeah, so, but, you know, if I, like, haven't put on events, but from a, a managing an artist perspective, not only do I understand, you know, the rudimentals of putting on events to a degree, but I also have a perspective of how I do it with the artist central to that. So I'm not learning, yeah. I'm not going in as a promoter and I've gone to university, learned how to be in both. So I'm going, does this make sense financially, whatever? You know, I've lost a lot of money doing events, but I've also, because I've put my own events on, I've been able to curate. Definitely, you've seen both sides. Work. Yeah, yeah. So then when I get into a position where I've got a good budget and I've got a bigger platform, the 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 process I have and the, the practice I have 
is is quite different than maybe some other people who've gone different ways. So yeah, I, you know, I've I've made a lot of those mistakes. What I always say to a lot of young artists when I work with them is like, I can I can advise because I've made a lot of mistakes. I've learned by doing, which is not always ideal for everyone, but that's just <laughs> that's just my path. But I guess that's the way you kind of like you you learn by making those mistakes, and then you can advise accordingly, you know, to your peers or to your clients um, or to others who are in on the same journey as you. Now, we talked about skills, kind of what skills from starting in media and film with your beats um, did you find transferable to kind of live events? And do you want to talk about your beats a little bit as well? Yeah, well, the, the business was started in, well, it's my first business. So I finished university um, and I've done law in university, um, but I weren't really interested in law, which is just another story. But I, I finished, got my degree. <laughs> And I didn't know what I wanted to wanted to do. And you know, obviously, I'm 21 at this point. I've I've consumed. You know, I had four or five hundred CDs. I'd consumed music all all my life, but I I never yeah. about going into the music industry. And my cousin, who was an art well emerging artist at the time, he he was he grew up in East London. So when Garage was turning to early grime, and he moved from East London to a place called Ormskirk, which is, you know, by Liverpool, by part, but part of Lancashire. Southport, like, near Southport. I love it. There you go. Sir. Yeah. So there yeah, you go. It's like a small town, but it's got a, it's got a university with a lot of students that come from around the country. A lot of international students called Edge. Yes, Park. it does. Is it called the Edge or something like that? Edge, 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 Edge Hill. Yeah. Edge Hill. Edge Hill city, I can tell yes, you, I can tell you've partied around the country. So, <laughs> so he, he came up and basically he was like, I want to start doing music. And his mum said, my auntie said, can you can you um can you manage them because you're organized and that and I, it was the summer before you know I finished mm. uni don't know what I'm gonna do and you know one thing led to another and we started this company again just as an outlet because he wanted to make this music which was what what at the time your class is urban music he, he rapped and he, he he sung um and we wanted to do it in a place that didn't you know Liverpool as a whole didn't really have great support for black music um and many opportunities so we just created our own model um and it was music but then because we had to do our own our own content um it was media and we had to do our own events because no one booked us because they weren't promoted specializing that music here and um, mm-hmm. so we put on our own events and then we started doing cloven and then because we recorded other people i mean because recording ourselves we record we started recording other people so we built a studio and um you know, like one thing led to another and it, and it was, you know, total DIY. Um, but we ended up having services that we we could then, I suppose, offer others. And and it, create, it created this kind of, um, you know, yeah, this platform. And then, you know, of the of the four kind of key creators, OK, three, three, three or four creative people that were like driving this, you know, Anton Rodriguez, he was a young photographer in college at the time. He went on work for Folk and he's he's a professional photographer. Jeannie Eastoke was someone who came as an intern to us. Now she works mm-hmm. for BBC, ITV. She's done, you know, big TV shows for Sky, et cetera, et cetera. Kofe, who was the artist, but then with my business partner, he went on to, you know, he runs the best studio for black music in Liverpool, but went on to like release music and chart in the club chart and toured america and europe and as an artist yeah. and then I've, I've i've ended up doing doing what i'm doing so it, it you know that you know I, I suppose you know falling into it and and being what we didn't see allowed us all to kind of um 
achieve our creative ambitions, but then also then get to a point where we can offer that out to the marketplace and bring our own perspectives. And, you know, I suppose the, the transferable skills from, from that space is like, I know that like there's no problem creating mm. problem that I can't solve. Do you know what I mean? And I have that's a, a amazing. Great, well, that's and that's how I feel that, that you know that could come across as arrogance or whatever. But as, no, I, but that's just that that's just kind of kind of confirmation of your experience though oh, in this industry. Yeah, because yeah, I, I you can I, I, say I, I, that, and you shouldn't have yeah. to kind of feel bad about it or make, think it's arrogance because that just shows your knowledge and your yeah. Experience. And, and, and and I'm not saying I'm saying within the space that I occupy of kind of like design, like this is a problem with audience connection or this is this is an artist. Like I understand the process. It's not always saying I can get it done. You know, mm. I don't have to bring people in or look at resources, but I'm saying like creatively designing a creative solution is something that I've done. And you know, I always have the you know the realization that between the the guys who were around when we started in 2004, 2005, mm. like we made millions technically from ideas over that period of like the 10 wow. years that business ran. So to my my viewpoint is like. I have I have the confidence in knowing that if if I create a process of response and development, I can then apply it on open source to other 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 problems. And then obviously, you know, what you learn by having to do your own thing and being responsible for everything is you mm. rely on yourself. Um, you you know, no one has to tell me to get up in the morning, and no one has to tell me to to do do work because you know I've I've. I've, I've developed that habit so you know and then skills of being able to talk to you know a variety of different people you know you know I mentioned some of the clients before current ones but then you know you talk about MTV and Levi's and I was know, literally just about to get onto that you, yeah it's like I feel comfortable with them all because I've learned how to speak and within the organization that was part of my role of going to you know if the home office calls and go we want to tackle night crime in Liverpool I can sit with a government minister at a meeting like that and I can speak to the matrix but I can also speak to the head of BBC Radio One Extra or the head of Six Music or the music team or you know an artist and being able to kind of um or learning how to navigate that space means that like where I am now and if I'm speaking to the head of you know YouTube music now it doesn't it doesn't intimidate me or make me want to change my mm. perspective it makes me want to actually find common bonds because that's what I've kind of done. So if you talk about like, you know, those type of skills, um, you know, that that period of time, that 10 years of Airbeats has been quite um, critical for me personally. And I've seen it obviously with, with my creative partners at the time, who've, you know, they've all gone on to be able to take what we've learned during that period and, and sustain careers, you know, and a lot of them are still based up north, which which is really exciting in itself. No, it is. And, you know, some of the live events that, you you know, you've done, I mean, when I like, kind of, we were kind of like been looking at, you know, your profile over the last, you know, few months and stuff. It's, you know, you've mentioned MTV, there's Boiler Room, there's the Mobos, like what, what, what were they like and what were you doing for them? Yeah, I think a lot of them, this is why you don't hate press releases because it may always sound like, so the Mobos, it was, I actually worked with them on a project called Create Mobo. So they came to Liverpool in mm-hmm. 2012 and the city of Liverpool was partnering with them and they brought me in because they wanted to design a grassroots program that would celebrate the, the power of MOBO and wow. the, and again I, I came with like a more holistic approach and said well it's 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 music it's clothes you know it's it's the culture of it 
and a program you know I had a lot of people that I knew who were like leading different brands and different projects and working at national radio so I brought them in and, and that had a big impact Boiler Room again Boiler Room wanted to do events so we partnered Boiler Room with an uh, organization called Circus which is like a leading electronic brand similar to Crew. Yes. but um and then you know that was an event there so like yeah like you know MTV the same thing we done um we done an event that had Ella Air, Jess Glynn, and who else was on it? Becky Hill, like the Becky first Hill. televised thing. Do you know what I mean? So like helping select those artists and kind of be part of that process. And, you know, it's, it's so yeah, it's been, you know, again, a, a variety of different things, but like to me, it's it's all quite the same and it's all, it's all based on this, the same, I wouldn't say criteria, but it's like, mm. You know, if, if the one thing that I've learned, you know, on lockdown was great for it, is to be able to look back a bit. Was like, I love the idea of like balancing imbalances. So I like new and emerging. I like underrepresented groups. I like, I like clients that yeah. are getting into a space where it's almost like they're questioning whether they can do it or they're questioning, you know, what is the best way to go about doing something. Yeah. You know, so you've said you're attracted to kind of work your music projects where there is, you know, the imbalance to balance. But why do you think it's important um, for the industry to embrace underrepresented groups? Because you, you you talk about the kind of like the underdog. and I think that's really admirable of you. Um, ex- explain, explain that if you can. I think, um, I think underrepresented or individuals from underrepresented groups, I, mm. I think broadly they bring a different perspective to what they do because mm. and and you know this is maybe quite general but I'm sure you'll understand is like when you don't think you've got a shot there's a purity in what you do and there's a conviction in what you do so when you do get a good shot I feel like you can bring something that something special who, that yeah, yeah well someone who would would ordinarily get those shots may not happen may not think about because they've you know like so if you have very little resource for if you come from a you know a lower social economic background and you're you've got very little resource you make things work and think very creatively because you've got to you've got to think laterally so when you get in a position when you have got resource you know you're going to be a problem in that space because you you are going to shake things up and you know and also you know i believe this those people tend to be disruptors so when they get into a position where they can disrupt and it have a longer ripple effect, I think that's mm-hmm. that's something very special. I find you, I think you find that in underrepresented groups. I also think if you're from underrepresented groups, you have a level of compassion, Definitely. Even, when you, even when you've got power. So when you put these, like again, you know, I've just mentioned creativity, but imagine having power, creativity, but compassion and respect for others because you know what it's like to not be supported or not allowed in or whatever. So like. It's all those things. And when you when you consider those three things, you realize it's these people from underrepresented groups that push forward culture. So when Definitely. we talk about when we talk about the biggest cultural movements, whether we're talking about art, film, music, whatever, you're talking about the people who have not been allowed in. They're the ones who get in, or tech, they're the people who get in. Like even tech, you look at it, I know this sounds like a mad thing to say, but like let's take, let's forget race, mm-hmm. gender, anything like that. But like people in tech were the ones in school that would be arguably, I know this is going to generalization, that may be bullied for not being cool or not being, being nerdy, geeky. Being nerdy. So then these people get into a space and the way they connect things and the way they understand, they turn it, they tip it on its head. 
you know what I mean? So it's, it's you know, again, same way we talk about race or gender, you know, like, you know, as a male, I've got to, like, females in positions of power are so much better at delivering. That's factual, do you know what I mean? So it's like, the more chance you get to put females in that space, it's just interesting. Like, the team I work with at Culture Liverpool, which is Liverpool City Council's event, and they do all the major events, it's pretty much a 90% female team, led team, and it's the head of the departments. And I just think, you know, I've been on male dominant events and it's just a lot of ego and a lot of competitiveness with, you know, <laughs> I just, you know, I see these professional women who yeah. are excellent at what they do, which is important. They've still got to, you know, people have got to be excellent, but like, but the way they look out for each other and the way, you know, the way they build each other and the way they support it is, is, is critical to their success. So yeah, I just believe underrepresented individuals from underrepresented groups it just pays dividends to bring bring people from those groups in. And so when I when I get to work on projects where it's about that and readdressing those balances, it's not just rewarding for me in terms of being able to do it, but it's it's rewarding for me to see the, the fruits of that labor. And that's where like the I suppose the measure of success comes is like mm. when you put some of these people in 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 positions where they can just have a fair shot, usually more times out of 10, they don't just score the goal, you know what I mean? They they just keep going and, and that's that's what's amazing about people from under That's so beautiful because, I mean, like you said, compassion and, the, you know, the special moment that you get with those people it's not something that you can't you can't buy you know you that that's the natural part of it you know when they're put you know put in front of you you know something you know than the kind of like industry you know vet veterans you know what I mean like they know everything and they might just miss out some of those kind of like natural um kind of beautiful moments that you know you you guys see in the kind of you know, artists or the groups that are kind of underrepresented. So like the compassion and the fact that they come from maybe um, kind of low income, you know, backgrounds or they have been rejected in the past. Those are moments that, you know, uh, actually kind of add those, those, those are the things that add to their kind of, you know, being so special and standing out. Right. Yeah, totally. And that, and that's, that's, that's the, I suppose to me, that's the, um, it, that's what's so exciting about it all is like when when you get that mix right, I just think there's um there's so much more that can be achieved and done. Yeah, they they, they definitely have the three sixty package. I I would say after that because they've got the experience, the compassion, the understanding, um, the knowledge, and they've and they've kind of had all the kind of experience they need. So that's really interesting. Now tell us a little bit about Lymph and 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 your kind of work um uh with that project yeah so lymph is a liverpool international music festival and it's 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 a project and that the city decided in so the city of liverpool uh, ran a music festival um for about 30 years called matthew street festival which was pretty much based on the legacy of the beatles and and you know obviously the beatles being the biggest band that ever existed um I've been told to say that but I think they are <laughs> um they they left a huge shadow over the city but also a, a space where the city could stand on its shoulders and 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 celebrate that and you know Matthew Street Festival was the biggest free music event in the whole of Europe you know 300,000 people over August Bank Holiday came to Liverpool but it was fundamentally based on looking back so a lot of cover bands a lot of Beatles covers a lot of um perpetuating the myth of Liverpool as a certain sound 
So after I'd done the, the mobile event I mentioned before, the city asked me to sit on a board that looked at a new festival um, for 2013. But again, you know, going back to what I was saying about underrepresented groups, I, I didn't, I had a purely commercial relationship with the city at that point. Um, and I just weren't sure of their intentions. So I didn't sit on that board, but long story short, the board decided on, they wanted a music festival that was more contemporary, that would be more, mm-hmm. you know, ambitious and creative and then the city come back to me and well at first they sent me the information and I just sent it on again not thinking that they'll be a part of that conversation that I could be involved in or part of that activity that I could be involved in but you know one of the great leads from the cultural team at the 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 city council was like oh I sent it to you because I want you to express your interest so I did and I've done a 10 minute presentation on what a music festival for Liverpool would look like with the with the viewpoint that they're gonna hate it but I would have got a lot <laughs> off my chest and you know within a couple of hours they rang me and said we want you to be the curator of of lymph which that's is, incredible um, well yeah it's 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 it, and it's an honor because it's the city of Liverpool so it's the city I grew up so this is like grew up in, yeah this is like you know this is the government essentially doing this thing and bear in mind this was like five years five years after capital of culture so Liverpool was capital of culture in 2000. so like yeah. this was the European capital of culture so loads of big things have happened and you know we had this bit of a swagger and renaissance going on in the city so the idea that a music festival could be creatively directed by someone like myself you know a, a young black man who'd not been part of that system and was not in the music circles locally um <laughs> w- was interested in its own right but um so they give me basically a one sheet of what the, the steering committee, as I mentioned before, kind of mm. called. So this would be a music festival. We've got to look at past, present and future. It's, it's you know, we want to be courageous. Want, you know, just like, not buzzwords, but like important words, but like, but in reality, it wasn't a thing. It wasn't like there's a stage here and there's a stage mm. here. It was pretty much a blank sheet. So they let me, and this was say, this was say in the February, March, and the event was meant to happen in July. So they pretty much let me have like a blank sheet and to go away and build it. Um, and, and essentially that's that's what I've done over the, the, the following couple of months. And we we announced it in June and it, you know, it, it went really well. Because you've you got to figure Liverpool's a very proud city. As I'm sure everybody who's listening knows. Yeah. We've had a lot of great moments musically. You know, like we are a music city. But, you know, you think about some of the bands that came out from Liverpool if you just, even if you just went Maisie Beat and you went The Beatles, Silver Black, Frankie Goes to Hollywood, whatever, but then you got like later on OMD and, you know, then you've got the Laws and yeah, the Wombats and all that. And then you've got the Cream brand. Yeah, the Cream, yeah. Venues. It's just, it's it's so many, you know, I've missed 60 top 10 bands there. But, you know, you just get the idea. So when you're in that position where you got, you know, you got a blank sheet, represent this, this, this city's music but also with an eye on the contemporary and the mm. eye on the future. So, yeah, so basically, didn't, and then I developed the festival. First year, it was five weeks. We'd done, you know, events on the, you know, on the waterfront, which is iconic in its own, own right, with, like, the likes of JLS and Little Mix and the Vamps and, you know, loads of the pop stuff. And then we'd done stuff in in, in one of our major parks called Sefton Park, and we had Damian Marley and Kid Creole. Wow. And, Soul to Soul and Dev from Radio One, etc. And then we'd done some stuff where we had like Mount Kimby and 
you know, Martha Wainwright and people like that inside, you know, like a, a, a converted warehouse venue. And then we've done loads of small events. We give a lot of money to promoters to try things out. Um, so, so, so that was the first year. And then, you know, you know, over the years, you know, I've been charged with just building it and building it into kind of a really um, nuanced and nationally respected festival. So, you know, the last year, which we've done was 2019, we had Nile Rogers and she, we had Sister Sledge with a, with a, a full orchestra. We put sick, we've we done a celebration of Freebeat Records, which is a dance label based in Liverpool that have artists like, you know, Sigma. And we done they, we celebrate their 30 years of like greatness with with a lot of their artists that have been on their roster over that time, but also put an orchestra behind that. So it was the first time that had been done. You know, we had Della Soul, Ella A, Neo, Maverick Sibby, like re, you know, Trevor Nelson, Jazzy. But it was like really Lots of talented people. Yeah, it, it, it went, it, it, you know, it developed and obviously through Lymph, I've you know, I've worked with the MTVs and the you know, black entertainment television from the States and you know, you know, cooler brands like the circuses and the creams and the you know and and it's it's yeah it's just being able to develop and do some stuff that have been literally one-offs really creative stuff we created content we've had a documentary that won you know won a number of awards um yeah and and it's it just been good to you know work of service to the city and really mm. add value to the to the way people view liverpool because even you talk about underrepresented groups you know the the liverpool music scene and the platform on of, of it in 2013 and where it is now is very, very different. Um, in, in Definitely. Including the people who make the music, but also, you know, the type of artists that are performing. So, you know, I'm proud to say that Lymph led the charge in terms of equality, but equality with respect to, you know, positioning and, and profiling to the point where now, you know, the other festivals in the city will put on you know, female headliners and we'll have, you know, better gender balance across the board and we'll have artists from, you know, black and ethnic minority groups who are performing as headliners and not seen as odds. Do you know what I mean? They will be using different spaces. They will be, you know, it's 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 that thing. So again, being part of that change has, mm. has been really exciting. But again, I've got to give credit to the city of Liverpool because not many cities even back events like this. Never mind bringing. No, they don't. Yeah, Liverpool is known to do that. Yeah, a lot of cities in the UK don't do that. So, do you feel like working with Lymph? It, it will it naturally helped you kind of develop a keen eye for spotting underground talent, right? I, I think I've always had um, a heart for emerging talent and and supporting emerging talent, and obviously that's how I got into kind of quote-unquote, the music industry. Um, so I've always done that. And, you know, even before Lymph, I'd, I'd worked with, you know, a number of artists, both, you know, nationally and internationally to and locally to, to you know, favour their careers. People like mm-hmm. Shaka. And I'd done some, you know, niche, you know, reggae projects. I'd done Yuna, who's a great artist from the States who was signed to the Fader label and, you know, loads, like loads of artists locally. And, you know... Uh, kind of a year before well two years nearly before I started doing the limb stuff I was actually working with Wiley on his label A-list and you know that had some established artists but new artists as well that were coming through and you know so I had that experience I think what Lymph allowed me to do was have the creative space and and I suppose the resource to be able to support artists by number one platforming them as part of the festival so you know seeing mm-hmm. an artist go from you know, 
early doors or a DJ go from early doors, set time to mid, you know, build to headliner is, is something that lymph and, and, and larger events like that have allowed me to do. But I think, you know, a, pr- a proud moment is something like lymph allowing me to develop um, a program and initiative like the lymph Academy, which is essentially a talent development initiative that runs all year round for artists between 16 and 25 from across Merseyside. And it's, it's a program where we do, you know, we, we financially invest into artists career or a, 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 a tipping point locally to be able to go into national artists, but also, you know, masterclasses network and, kind of filling the gap between artists being based here that is not in the epicenter of London and the music scene. How do we kind of connect the dots? And we've been, you know, a lot of artists have gone on to, you know, sign record deals or publishing deals or management deals or be independent. And, you know, being part of that process was a big part of what I was trying to do with Lim from the beginning. And again, the city kind of wonderfully took my vision and got out the way and supported it. And, you know, it, it, again, it's paid dividends because, you know, the Academy not, has not only won awards, but it's been quite central to the city's sector development strategy. Um, you know, I was a big part of the city getting the UNESCO City of Music. It's the first English city that's got that mm-hmm. title. Do you know what I mean? An international title like that. So, you know, but but yeah, it's... it's so Lymphers may be, um, how can I say, amplified that, voice but I've mm-hmm. always done it and I've still been doing it you know I've you know I've had joint venture with Polydor you know signing artists I've, I've been a consultant at Universal and developing talent and managing talent for labels I've you know I've I've scouted for major labels independent labels all through this whole process so I think I've always had that but again lymphers give um a quite interesting um frame for how I can help talent again in that whole kind of holistic way of looking at I believe that I I can talent develop now in in variety of different ways because again, Lymph allows me to do it in the live space as well as the talent development space. Wow, that's amazing. And then in terms of kind of your own kind of internal team and the people that you work with, so let's just say, you know, suppliers, stakeholders, you know, in the past you've said you kind of like to collaborate, you know, with people um, to kind of ensure that you have like the every chance of success in your own career and your own brand um kind of do you have any insight into kind of like I don't know what makes a strong team dynamic for you and your business that's an interesting one actually because you know even myself I've I've got numerous businesses so and I work with different partners but I think I think a big a big thing for that is the why behind it first and foremost it's like I think everybody's got to be able to get up in the morning and mm-hmm. if they're part of a project, understand why why that project or business exists. I think that's important. And then the vision that goes along with that is like, how's that developed? How's that communicated, et cetera? Because everyone's got to buy into that. Um, but then, you know, the roles, putting people in, in the position that they're best in so they can maximise what they do well and maybe develop the areas that they don't do well, but in a very safe way. I think that's pretty crucial and then direction and communication I think you know just knowing how best or being taught how best and I think that's why you need you know in business mentors or you know or you know contemporaries colleagues who mm-hmm. who care about what you're doing we mentioned compassion a couple of times but just you know that that's pretty much important like you can't I come like I learned a lot from about business because I played 
basketball when I was younger. And I played for a team that done, you know, really well. We won the National League under 16s and we were one of the best under 18s teams in the country. So like I learned from the idea of, of, of teams. So when I got teamwork, into, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, you achieve and sometimes you're the best interest of the team have got to come before yours. And, you know, you, if you do your role well and everyone else does their role well, however limited or however big, you you will eventually win if the, the strategic vision of the team is correct. And so, like, within business or within projects, that's the same way. You know, uh, one of the clients I worked with a couple of years ago was Levi's. And, you know, Levi's is this massive brand and they had this brand called the Levi's Music Project. And then you have Warner, who were their project managers from an agency standpoint. And then they bring me in. And essentially, everyone has a role. You know, Warner guys obviously have the label, but they're the, the brand side. So they, they, they know how to project manage. They know how to run campaigns. Levi's are the brand. They own that name and the asset and the IP and whatever. They bring me in. And as well as, you know, to, to program direct and connect the dots because they've also got partners such as, you know, you know, football clubs and, you know, other sub brands and the festivals. And so, so it's like, how does this all knit together? Um, and, and, and the reason why I felt like, and to be fair, there's a lot of other Levi's projects that existed, but we had a very successful model, which went on to me doing a little bit more work with them because everybody played their role and we could all question each other and challenge each other and all that. But fundamentally they knew my space. I knew their space. We would, just focus on doing the best and I just found that you know as a way to collaborate and work together to achieve a goal that's always been the best so yeah you know to sum up I think the cause the vision the roles and the communication of those roles and expectations is is critical to success in a team yeah it's really crucial isn't it yeah and um and then one thing I was you know I've been so keen um kind of to ask you and this is going to, you know, another project of yours that you, you know, feel very passionately about um, is Power Up. Um, and, you know, since working on Power Up with PRS, what steps have you kind of taken to empower black music creators? Because, you know, and, 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 and how can other companies, um, you know, better support black music creators? Because this has obviously been a, you know, a, a really kind of like big project for you um, that you've worked on. So tell us a little bit about that. So Power Up um, was developed um, by two people who at the time, you know, one of them was, one of them is the CEO and was the CEO at the time of PRS Foundation, which is, you know, a charitable mm-hmm. uh, music organisation. So they give grants and run programmes, et cetera, et cetera. And his name is Joe Franklin. And the other is a, a music professional who worked there at the time, but now works at AIM, um, a black man who has been in the music industry for a while called Ben Winter. And... They essentially developed this as a response to specifically to the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, mm-hmm. And that was obviously June. I think they started developing it in June 2020. And they brought me on around August to kind of do the R&D around this project that would elevate black music creators and industry professionals because the realisation that there's got to be a balance. Like there's been investment in black music creators for a long time. Mm-hmm. But without without looking at the other side of the people who are making those decisions in buildings or outside the buildings it, it, and, and represents it, representation across the industry, it's going to be more of the same. So that, you know, they, they, they came up with that focus and there'll be, you know, a network and there'll be grant funding and there'll be, you know, these are the aspects. And again, like I mentioned before, the Lymph Academy, I've 
been doing stuff like that leave as me before that again, yeah. programs and how you empower people through programs um but again this was a you know this is an international conversation now it's not just about music creators this is about music creators from a from a from a group that has overwhelmingly succeeded outside of the amount of support that that group's been given of course so it's like this political social energy that's there so my role was to come on board in that august and do r&d and get it ready for launch which was going to be the october november time so you know putting together a strategic executive steering committee with individuals that can steer this black you know predominantly black individuals who can steer it from a point of experience but a point of knowledge as well um, and then put together focus groups to really put some meat on the bones of um, the, the planned practice and how it would impact. And then essentially to, you know, I went on to be appointed senior manager for PRS Foundation as a whole, as a, as a consultant as well, to be able to drive power up, but also make sure power up is driving some of the activity across PRS Foundation as a whole. So then once in that role, you know, the first task was launching. Um, power up um in partnership with you know some of the great organizations we're working with such as youtube music and spotify and beggars group etc etc and how do you kind of roll that out so you know that's it that's important and how we've helped black individuals black music creators and industry professionals is through grants mm. to power up again because this is like, like one thing i've said this is not for like entry level stuff which statistically there's a lot of support for underrepresented groups at a, at an early stage mm-hmm. where that support goes away and the same with gender is when it gets into positions of power there's this like middle ground where a lot of underrepresented groups will just exist and never Absolutely. move on. so our work is predominantly to get these people who are exceptionally good at what they do across the board across the uk across genres across different disciplines but get them to that next stage so it's grants it's masterclasses, it's mentoring, it's coaching, it's capacity building, it's sharing of information, it's, you know, offers from all our partners, whether it be free memberships or it be advice or it be legal supporters. So like a year round program that is literally a holistic approach to kind of really powering, powering up. So that's how we do it on a kind of functional week to week basis for those individuals. And we work with 40 every year so the first year was 41 because we had the duo but 40 and then strategically we also work with partners on like what what we call the movement side which is well how can we also look at the system so we the program helps the individual but the movement will help tackle some of the imbalance in the systems yeah how do we work with organizations to help them better do what they do but also how how we strategically work together to lobby and make change so you know you look at something like streaming you're talking about changing the streamer model okay well what does that look like for a black hip-hop artist or a black mm-hmm. song and are they being consulted in that dialogue once you know this is going to government this is going to be you know this could be law but have, have we so it's just about how that's a lot of work that we do and then now obviously we work with other organizations that have got similar causes so that's that's power up but even outside of that obviously i've always been champion black art black artists i know because you did something with i i read that you did something with cbb's is that correct yeah yeah so like oh, I, like again something that i don't talk about a lot is we you know as a company playmaker group which is one of the businesses i'm, I'm partnering we produce a lot of content so we did do a, a series um an animated 
manga animated style series for CBBC, <laughs> um, which had 22 young people from across the country, children from across the country, pick their Black History Hero research. I love that. And then we got a company in, in Japan to actually design the characters and animate it. And it went on CBBC and iPlayer. And, you know, it was a very successful um, series. But then, you know, we do a lot of radio. We do stuff for Six Music and One Extra and World Service and Radio 4 and stuff like that. I, you know, a lot of times around kind of that imbalance. But even outside of that, within Liverpool, I've, I've set up a Black, Black Lives Matter music manifesto, which is part of the strategy of the city now. Um, I'm also um, driving um, a subgroup, which is called the Black Music Action Group, which is looking at kind of drawing down quite a big money into investment into to Black music artists and industry professionals within Liverpool. And then alongside that, I run a, a festival which celebrates Black music in Liverpool over the last mm-hmm. 70 years called On Record. So, you know, I feel like I, I do spend quite a Lost. You've really pioneered that. I, I I really feel like you've kind of pioneered pioneered that, don't you think? I mean, with the kind of supporting, you know, black music, you know, creators. I think it's such a wonderful thing that you've done. Yeah, I think you know, like again, going back to it, it's like when you come from an underrepresented group. Again, it it just makes you attuned to that. Like we signed the Key Change Pledge, which is a gender balance um, project that PRSF do, and it's it's it's. It's pan-European um, and recently it's announced that it's going into America. And it's, the first step of it was like 50-50 on stages, festival stages. And some festivals didn't sign up, but so others did. And I signed Limp Up. I, I signed Limp Up without even discussing it with the city. But <laughs> funny thing is, this was like 2014-15. We were already at, you know, pretty much near 50-50 anyway. So, you know, so all these causes, like, and my point was, it's not hard. for You don't have to tell me or sanction me to 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 mm. fairer or be more inclusive because I know what it's like on the other side of that and not being included when you deserve to be included. So like a lot again, a lot of my work is about that. And where or it can be again, you know, we're based in Liverpool. We don't have the networks in London. Okay, well let me build networks that mm. will allow talent who deserve it to connect with opportunities that may predominantly be London. So you know a lot of this is like whether it's race, gender, um or the demographics, location, just stuff like that. I just find it dead interesting because it's like, again, we, we you know, how we started off talking about the power of music to connect and be a social force. It's That's what it's about. I, I realised a couple of years ago, having a, I had a conversation with um, Little Sims's manager. Um, mm-hmm. He's from Liverpool originally. And I was doing an event with him, interviewing him. And he said something quite interesting. He was like, the worst part of the music industry is that people don't tell. Like, there's many jobs, there's many ways to be in the music industry. You don't have to be a millionaire A&R or a label manager. And, and that's what I've realised. Like, my role in this is to support balance and opportunity. There's so much in between, isn't there? But but you never hear about it. Yeah, and, and it, it's, it's arguably important because, yeah, the talent will pass through and go and do whatever they do. But, you know, the designing of that development through roots and that channel and trying to create content. The networking, the, you know, the so, stakeholders, absolutely. That's why I'm so important. So when you're even talking about, you know, Liberty Music's, you know, conference that you do and us that like one question mm-hmm. I'd say, I'd be like, why would you do it? But I get that you go, we've got a, we're a part of this, this eco- music ecology. Yeah. And, 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 and 
we don't we can't, we don't have to be linear because the point is you 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 contribute definitely to the industry and yeah, to the future of music you know and you are where you are do you know what i mean it, it and it gives you a unique proposition where there could be other pr companies that go well our thing is just to get column inches which is fine yeah. But, yeah. Everybody, but there's a there's a there's a wide enough industry for us all to exist within our vision and i think that's something that I've I've learned. And again, as I said, I've been able to connect the dots between all the projects I've done by looking at the they exist. And because I want to be in this space of of helping talent, deserving talent to have a fair shot um, in whatever way. So for any kind of like black music creators or, you know, um, other music creators from, you know, other ethnic um, backgrounds, if if they need support and they need help along the way in their music journey, how can they make the most of kind of power up? And how what what's what 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 do they need to do? Well, essentially, you know, get in touch. I think that's one thing. You know, whether you get in contact with me directly or PRS Foundation, prsfoundation.com is the website. But you know, get in contact and you know, tell us what what you do. And you know, we've got networks of partners across the whole country. Um, who work in this space, who are trying to do better in this space, as I said, through, you know, various partnerships that the PRS Foundation have and various partnerships that Power Up has. Um, mm-hmm. we, are, we have currently got an open call, and obviously I don't know when this goes out, but it closes on February the 17th, but it's open now for applications for our year two programme, which is the year programme, up to £50,000 grants, et cetera, et cetera. So if you think you're ready for that, please do apply or get in touch and ask questions about applying. There's loads of guidance on the website as well, PRS Foundation forward slash power up but again even if you're at a point where you go you know i want to connect and just understand more about what's on offer and support that's out there just get into contact and 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 that's probably the 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 best way forward and again i'd say to industry professionals if you're looking to get into pr or you're looking to get into like there's an interesting um duo called geo and brenda who actually worked at another pr company and they worked in i suppose a junior capacity in our launch and they said from working on the project and understanding more about what it was about and understanding about the challenges and what we're set to do. It inspired them to leave that PR company and start their own, which is called My Black Book. And now they are they are, they are the leads on our PR, on Power Up from a PR perspective. But more, more importantly, they've had enough confidence and conviction to, to just go alone without feeling they've got to be in a junior ranking team. Now they're owners of a business now. Do you know what I mean? And that's just for them getting, mm. they just got in contact and said, this looks great. We work at a, you know, and, and dialogue started. And I think that's what it, that's what it is. It's like, there's too much that bonds us to keep us apart. And I'm saying that as broadly anybody, but I'm saying definitely underrepresented groups from an intersectional way. Do you know what I mean? So we've mm-hmm. got to start supporting, like the gender fight is different than, and the sexuality fight is different than the race, the race challenges but there's something to be said about what we learn from each of those challenges and each of those modes of tackling that. And I think the more we start speaking, the more empowered we feel because we're sharing best practice and we're offering support. And, you know, so I, again, I'm just a big, big advocate for people just reaching out and what's the worst that can happen. We'll always respond. Exactly. We'll always what is the worst that can happen? Which, so yeah, that's, that's the, yeah, it reminds me of the time, you know, when you were doing that pitch, um, and you said, you know, you didn't think you were going to get it. And then they got back to you within a couple of hours and were like, you know, you've got well, the I'm, I'm, I'm going into, what was that, 2013? I'm going into my ninth year. Well, because I've worked, okay, 2012, but on this, since that pitch, I'm going to my ninth year supporting the city. I, I do delivering for the city. I do the music festival. I do 
the academy, which has run for eight years in its ninth year. I am doing Liverpool against racism for the mayor of the city. I advise on so many other things. I sit on the music board for the city. Like all that came from me doing a 10 minute presentation and just going, well, what's the worst that can happen? And that's not to make it sound romantic in any way because we've yeah. had ups and downs. But I, I'm, my point being is, you know, you can you can do some stuff just by putting yourself out and being a bit vulnerable, but you, knowing what you want. And I think that's... And I also feel like, you know, it's great practice. So even if you don't, you know, get it this time, it's great practice for like future prospects or future opportunities. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So you've obviously got, I mean, it's not, of, it's, you've got a wealth of knowledge. You really do. And you've worked on, you know, so many different, you know, projects and businesses. Um so for those kind of wanting to get into the industry or want to kind of get started in creative events, what do you think is the best way for someone to get started in 2022, you know, and get into this industry? I think, you know, earlier you, you said about like, you know, the the ability to learn and, and learn how to deliver by just doing it. I, I think, you know, I do talks at universities every now and again on panels and, you know, and a lot of times I think, some of this gets over theoretical where like and also we also know about the case of knowledge sometimes you you can learn so much about something that you overanalyze it like I couldn't start at Airbeats now at 38 because I mm. I know too much to be that naive but if I wasn't that naive at the time and I didn't weren't prepared to learn as I went along and I didn't have faith and hope in being able to create something I wouldn't be in this position whatever position that is, however that looks relative, but I'm saying that's what I feel people are going to do. You just got to start. I think it's having the passion, isn't it? Because it's like, as soon as it, when you, when you don't know about something as much, you're hungry and you're eager to learn. And the reason why you're that way is because you're passionate about that topic or that subject or that industry. Um, And I feel like as we get older and we start kind of working and developing and progressing in our CV and our careers, um, it's exactly what you said at, you know, 36 at 38, it, it, it's a totally different, you know, level of knowledge. You've, you've got all the knowledge, you, you, you know, you could get, but you just don't have that kind of. Reckless yeah. But like, I look at, okay. I look at my son, my son's eight and um, <clears throat> he's, he's getting into basketball and he wants to go to a team and be coached and I'm, I'm against it. And at this stage, because my point being is, he's just got to love it. He's got to understand it internally. He's got to miss some shots and correct it himself. Because sometimes when you when you learn too much, if he understands too much about it, he'll think too much about it. He will start trying to mitigate risk before he tries. Mm-hmm. And I, I think a big part of leading culture and being dynamic is almost like a level of independent recklessness, blind confidence like I feel like you've got to almost jump in and just be a little bit like I don't even know how this is going to turn out but this is thrilling and I'm learning oh my god is that the key to it is that the key to it yeah read and definitely try to I'm not saying go and try to make mistakes on papers but you know and learn from people you know one thing I probably would have done differently is I would have still had that but I would have probably found a mentor early so then you just have somebody overseeing so if there's a big iceberg coming to hit you you just got someone who goes there is an iceberg there just to let you know so you know what I mean it's it's that it's that thing but I think a lot of people have just got to start 
And the people we all worship, I always think this is interesting, the people we worship in the music business, the mavericks in the music industry, none of them theorised over it for years. They just yeah. got up and done it. Do you know what I mean? They just done it and learned it and found a way. All those people we 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 marvel at. And I think that's that's an interesting link between a lot of the people who drive culture and drive music culture. Definitely. And then out of, do you think you know, you've, you've worked on, you know, so many things, what would you say what your proudest moment was and what's been like the most exciting project you've, you've worked on? I know there's loads for you That's to choose hard, you know, Because, you know, there's a lot of projects that are important for various reasons. Um, I, feel, I felt proud about, you know, every project I've done in, in whatever way, because, you know, a lot of them are hard and a lot of them are against the grain. But I do think Lymphos, that kind of an ongoing project, has been one of the most exciting because, you know, stuff from the colours used on the artwork to, you know, the artists performing and where they're performing and stuff like that has been me. Do you know what I mean? And to be able to, you know, I've travelled the world doing documentary stuff, travelled the world doing content for Lymph. I've, you know, developed the academy. I've helped develop the brand. I've been able to be, you know, uber creative with, with certain elements of it we've done world world first commissions i've you know i've i've been able to engage with some artists that and pl- platform artists that i really like i've been able to platform artists that i really respect do you know what i mean and there's a bigger cause which is the reposition of the city as a contemporary music city so to mm-hmm. me it's 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 a combination of all those things and all those attributes of what i've what i've um what i've learned and to like a lot of this is still going on like there's a challenge with with the next phase of lymph and the lymph brand which you know has literally got me with all different post-it notes and all the, you know like like a new challenge to it and a new comms around it and you know what I mean so it's it's like that constant yeah. thing makes it like it's exciting because it's ever evolving the city has not stopped we haven't done lymph for two years and the city is the, the ebb and flow and the 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 pulse of the city is slightly different than it was two years ago. So to me, it's just exciting again to be able to go, okay, what does the next evolution of this 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 message say? Yeah, where's it going to go? Yeah. 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 But again, it's it's been interesting because it's, it's something that so many people would see as a local thing. And I've done obviously a lot of national things and international things, but I think it's just, it's it's super exciting. Well, this because, has a special place in your heart, uh, yeah. I feel, because you're from Liverpool as well. Yeah. And then to me, it's the point being is like, there's some festivals in the past, like Larks in the Park, that happened in Liverpool, and there's another one called Earthbeat. And people talk about the time when those existed. They only existed for like a three-year period. Mm. And I've always said, I want Lim to be that thing. If it if it if it finished, I want people to talk about. Remember when we went to and we seen now Rogers in the park in our yeah. park at the end of our street. Like I bought Marsha <laughs> Ambrosius, who was in who was in Flowetry and has got Grammys. Wrote Butterflies for Michael Jackson. Steamboat wow. her own right, but she's from Liverpool. And I asked her to do. I met. I was doing a documentary in LA, and I met her. And I said, "Why have you? Why don't you do anything in Liverpool? The city's never asked me to do anything. No one. I'm saying, well, So we put her in the park, and I remember her coming into the park and going. I used to come here as a kid, and I never thought I'd be performing in front of because I was never part of the narrative of the city at that time. Wow. Even with the real thing, you to me, everything. You know, one of the biggest fans of the late seventies. Eddie Amu, who, who sadly died a couple of years ago, who's the lead, who's like the lead singer of it, he cried when I booked him for Lymph because he was like, we've never been. So to me, it's like those moments make it, it, it bigger than what many people may think based on, you know, you know, oh, it's only 80,000 capacity or whatever. But like, but think about this. This is a different, 
these are different memories that are getting positioned. It's not a chain. It's not the same lineup as other festivals. It's got to underline a message, but fundamentally it's important to the city because it reflects the city and also... Um, and people's childhoods. Those, those, yeah, those uh, the people who are performing's childhood, their memories, you know. You know what I mean? So, yeah, so that, that's probably the most exciting ever-evolving project. Wow. Well, it's been so amazing to talk to you. It's been delightful, honestly. And, you know, I hope that we can, you know, catch up with you again soon and talk about some more projects that you've, um, you know, um, got coming up um, with us. And so, uh, yeah, thank you so much. No, thank Yao. you again. I hope, I hope the first podcast was, was, was nice for you. But also, you know, again, you guys have just inspired me because the idea again that, You've got a PR company that does one thing. You do a podcast, not because you have to, not because it brings necessarily more clients in, but because it, it, it probably knits together so much of the culture and of helping you connect. And I think, you know, that's admirable. Do you know what I mean? I was really impressed when I heard that this existed and I was really even more impressed. Oh, thank you so I, much. Yeah, we try to kind of fill the gap where we can. Um, you know, it's not just a podcast, but again, with the Music Summit and we've got you know, some exciting, you know, um, news about our Liberty Wellbeing Hub, which is a hub that's going to kind of, um, it's a t- source and a, a tool that's going to help independent artists with their mental health. You know, we try to kind of be as creative as we can to kind of give back to the community, give back to independent artists as much as possible, and to really inspire the music space and, you know, the, the artists. So, yeah, thank you so much. Oh. Thanks for having me, and um, yeah, oh, oh, oh. And hopefully, we can get you on again soon. Yeah, awful. I'm all up for it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye, y'all. Bye. You've been listening to Liberty Music PR's podcast with myself, the co-founder, Be Adamic. For more information about any of the topics mentioned in this episode, please reach out to me personally or via any of our social media channels at Liberty Music PR. Liberty Music PR is a global agency offering independent playlisting, distribution, creative partnerships and digital publicity. If you're interested in working with us to promote your music, feel free to get in touch today.